0: Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast.
2: Today we're going to continue our discussion about the strategy and techniques behind building your ideal customer database. Joining us again is Jordan Crawford, who is the founder of Scout which helps companies acquire customers with postcards. Scout excels at helping companies deploy a full postcard marketing strategy from lists to personalized designs to measurement, including strategies like IP to address matching for personalized postcards that include unique directions to a physical address. And today, Jordan and I are going to continue our conversation about how to find your ideal customer by isolating their pain and how he's using that methodology to market via direct mail. Okay, here's another part of my conversation with Jordan Crawford, founder at Scout. Jordan, welcome back to the Martech podcast.
1: Thanks for having me again.
2: Excited to have you back on the show. Felt like we had a great conversation yesterday, and I think both of us were pretty fired up. We're like, hey, there's a there there. We're (laughs) going to do a little work together because we both share the philosophy that targeting your customer isn't just around understanding who they are. It's about understanding their behavior and finding most of the time the acute pain point that they're going through to hit them with the right message at the right place at the right time. You're taking this methodology and you're applying it in what I'd consider to be a a relatively unusual fashion. You're going through direct mail, specifically through postcards, and you're really reinvigorating what is an older marketing medium. Talk to me about what you're doing on the direct mail side, and how are you figuring out which customers have pain and using postcards to get them to convert?
1: First, let me take a little bit of a step back and talk about postcards as a general medium, and then I'll walk into some of the pain stuff. Does that sound good?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's junk mail, right? That's what it is, isn't it? That's how people feel about it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that the kind of interesting thing, like any good marketing channel, it's like an ebb and flow, right? And the more people think that the channel is not right, the better chance you have of standing out. And so it's kind of this counterintuitive thing that works really well for us, right? It's a little bit more of an expensive channel. So that means that fewer people have access to it. We just saw that there's this kind of old thing. Everyone moved all their money to digital. And a lot of these great digital technologies that have been created over the last 10, 15 years haven't really made their way to direct mail. So you don't really get a piece of direct mail that looks like a great personalized sales email, for example, because that blending of technology hasn't happened, which is kind of how Scout came about.
2: So there's a couple things to pick apart here. And for the record, I've done a little direct mail here. I worked at a laundry and dry cleaning delivery startup. And you know one of the things that we were doing is trying to reach people where they have their pain, which is at home, right? People that were urban dwellers that may or may not have a dry cleaner close to them or a laundry machine. So, hey, we're just going to send them a postcard. And you mentioned a couple things. One, direct mail is expensive you have paper costs, printing costs, you have to create your collateral. And then the big one, you have to pay for the stamp, right? That's almost a dollar per piece. And so when you think about how many emails you would be sending, you wouldn't pay a dollar per email. You're paying a fraction of that. Talk to me about how you think about the cost of direct mail and how do you rationalize all the print and postage and creative development?
1: I think that the key here it's that with addresses if you're targeting services out of home you can be 100% certain that you can reach 100% of your audience right so let's talk about rents for example so one of the ways that I might go about this is we have a service that can actually target devices that are in a physical location and find their addresses so i could geofence let's say a laundromat that is maybe far away from a dense urban area and say okay how many people are coming to this laundromat and target them or i can say Let's pull a list of all of the different laundromats in New York and find just the addresses that are at least a half a mile away from their local laundromat, for example. Now, you could sort of dive into this further and further. Another way that you might think about narrowing down on that list is figuring out if you can get the landlord information and write them as a potential tenant and say, Hey, I was wondering, do you have laundry in-unit or not, right? So this is kind of a spiral that you can dive under to really make direct mail efficient, not by reducing the cost, but really making the targeting super, super specific.
2: So talk to me about some of the things that you're doing at Scout. You're able to be very specific with your targeting. So you're willing to make the investment in reaching the right person, right? Hyper targeting, more expensive. All right. I understand how that balances out. What are you doing at Scout to make this work?
1: One of the things we're doing for solar right now is it turns out one of the reasons that you buy solar, one of the highest converting reasons is that someone you know went solar. But one of your neighbors went solar. So what we're doing right now is saying for every solar install that you've had, we're going to find the six nearest addresses to that customer and write them a message that says, hey, Jordan Crawford went solar on this date with us. Here are pictures of his home. Here's a quote that he had to say about us. He's your neighbor. He's literally right next door to you. If you want, we can even connect you with him. So I can put my phone number, me being the customer, behind a track forwarding phone number. So your neighbor could even text you directly and say, Hey, Jordan, I got this postcard that said that you went solar with Jordan Solar Inc. What was that experience like? So now I can create this type of targeting that is really based on a social trigger that it has high likelihood of conversion.
2: Really interesting. So you're able to basically leverage geography and you're getting, I guess all you need is the addresses around the solar install. That is a hyper local trigger. Not every business is going to be triggered by, you know, the house next door did something and I should keep up with the Joneses. That's really what happens a lot of the times with the solar installation industry. What are some other examples of how you've used direct mail efficiently to help businesses grow?
1: Location is really important part of this. And there are definitely times that we will disqualify a company because location really isn't key to their offering. So definitely postcards aren't right for everyone. But another example of what this looks like is we worked at a company called Incredible HQ. They basically are like hired.com for nurses. So what they do is they will help basically have hospitals compete for nurses. So how this works is that if you're a nurse and looking for a job, you can get four or five hospitals to offer you different packages saying, hey, we'll pay this if you come work for us, we'll pay this. Well, again, location is really important here because you're not going to commute 500 miles to, you know, even if the job pays you double or triple, it'd have to be a lot for you to be able to hire a helicopter (laughs) to get into work. And so what we did is we said, we looked at all of their hospitals that were participating. And then we looked at all of these nurses and say, How can we find nurses that are very, very close to at least three of these hospitals within half a mile? So we printed a map on every card that says, hey, Jordan, hospitals like the nearest hospital to you are hiring and then your title, right? You're a nurse practitioner or whatever. So we were able to send a postcard that was really hyper relevant to them with hospitals they knew saying, hey, these hospitals are willing to compete for you.
2: I think underlying here is the ability to include variables in print. And that's something that I'm not sure every marketer who isn't familiar with direct mail really thinks about. You're talking about inserting custom phone numbers, custom maps, variables, including job titles. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, MuteNex. Talk to me about the mechanisms for building direct mail campaigns and how much does it really cost to build in something smart like what you're talking about as opposed to just creating a dumb piece of collateral that looks pretty.
1: Well, I would say that the way that you think about this is like, what's your LTV, right? If you've got a super high LTV, you can afford to basically do what's called EDDM, which is just blanket an area. Even if the conversion rates are super low, you don't have to be crazy personalized and that converts well.
2: Right. That's EDDM is essentially zip code targeting.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Stop me every time I use some weird direct mail jargon. (laughs) No, no, no. It's cool. What's EDDM is... Every door direct mail is what it stands for. Yeah. So actually, we just launched a glossary on sendwithscout.com so you can find all these terms as we use them too often. Great. But yeah, so this is the kind of need that we found in the market is that you just didn't see a lot of this type of personalization out in direct mail. Most people, uh, because they were working with traditional printers, were focused on cost. How can we lower the price of the piece? How can we get from 0.596 cents to 0.495 cents? these really incremental small moves, we kind of think about that problem in the opposite way, where it's like, how can we drastically improve the targeting and personalization and measurement to just get way more out of your direct mail campaign?
2: So you mentioned measurement. When I'm sending a physical piece of collateral to someone, no matter how targeted they are, most marketers would think about that as essentially a brand campaign, right? How are you actually tracking conversions and understanding whether the call to action is actually being accepted?
1: So we do think about this in two sort of areas. There's the personalization piece to improve that conversion. And then the other piece is the conversion stuff. So to answer your question, we have like five or six sort of mechanisms we use for that. For like Incredible Health, for example, and this actually works really well for podcasts, you just register a brand new domain and you forward that domain to a landing page with UTM parameters. So you know, especially if you're like a more obscure startup, you know for sure that they came from this campaign. We will also do things like tracked phone numbers where you can text and call and we uh, record the caller ID. We have unique URLs for every postcard. So if you go to that URL, we actually know which postcard you came from and we have a dashboard that shows you that. I think the thing that is most interesting is really our unique QR codes, which are backed by those unique URLs. And I hear a lot of people, well, QR codes, they're confusing, but you can use any Android or iPhone camera right out of the box and just point at that QR code, instantly scan it, and we're able to send you to a hyper-personalized page. So one thing we're exploring for Solar right now is you'll be able to point your camera at a card and get data about your roof from space how many solar panels can fit on it, the size of it we already have unsubscribe links on all of our postcards. So you can physically unsubscribe from a postcard, which is a nice growth loop for us. I thought
2: physically unsubscribing was just crumpling it up and putting it in the circular file.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll also include it in their podcast notes, but this is an example of one of my unsubscribe links. And the cool thing about it is there's a QR code here.
2: What I'm seeing is a QR code that says, if you want to unsubscribe, go here.
1: Exactly, yeah. So the interesting thing is that if it's a targeted campaign, that actually lands you to a page that already has your address pre-filled in. And weirdly enough, it not only saves my customers money to not send postcards that people that aren't interested. But in this case, for this customer, they actually got a conversion because people unsubscribe saying, I don't need X service. And they described their service in an incorrect way. And we reached out to them and they said, Oh, I didn't know it was this. And they ended up becoming a customer. So it was kind of funny.
2: That's maybe not a conversion strategy that we'd recommend here on the Martech podcast, trying to convert people that are unsubscribing from your emails or even your direct mail pieces. So Jordan, when you come down to cost and conversion rates, how do you compare direct mail and what you're doing against some of, I guess, what we'd call the classic performance marketing channels or digital channels? Do you have a sense of how to benchmark direct mail compared to you know the Facebooks and Googles of the world?
1: I'll definitely have conversations with marketers and say, well, you know, we're getting started. We haven't really tried Facebook or LinkedIn. And we almost off the bat will disqualify those folks. Like, unless you have a super compelling out of home case where you can't reach people on Facebook, like, you probably should have a really good understanding of who you're messaging, who your target is, and either be tapped out of channels or a case where your service is like especially effective to use direct mail. And let me give you two examples of what that looks like. So one of our customers is Common Energy. That was the card I was just showing you on the podcast visually, which- Which no one can see. (laughs) I know, makes no sense. (laughs) I wasn't even looking. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So how their service works is basically they will pay you money to go green. And it only works in certain areas of New York with certain zip codes, basically based on the electricity provider. Another example of this is a company called Sealed. And how they work is basically they upfront pay the cost to insulate your home and they take money on the electricity savings. So there's a bunch of really specific things at the home level that will qualify a prospect. That is like, would you use a heating oil to heat your home? Was it built before 2000? And this is all amazingly rich data that I have access to if we're doing a direct mail targeting campaign. So those are just things that you can't get on Facebook or Google.
2: So I guess the last question I have for you, we talked a little bit about what's the cost of direct mail, some of the ways that you're doing the targeting, how to run a campaign. It's all based on this really, really specific rich data, right? You have to understand the customer's pain to bring it back to our conversation yesterday. How are you getting access to whether someone's house was built before the 2000s? How are you getting access to what are the six addresses that are close to the house that you installed how are you getting all of the micro moments of data that other suppliers may or may not have
1: this is the lost art of direct mail marketing and this is kind of funny we moved over to facebook and everyone forgot about the killer data that is being and has been compiled about consumer behavior and information about houses etc the amount of rich data that exists online either for free or paid is incredible And if you think about targeting at the home level, that's like number of pets, number of kids in the home, propensity to buy luxury goods. We did a campaign for a company called Wear that was selling $300 leggings. And we targeted people that go to Barney's as an example and drove people into the store. So I think that you'll really be the axioms and excelsiors of the world compile just insane amounts of data, not only on consumers, but on homes and at the address level. So I'd be happy to have a conversation with anyone about this too, but it really depends on the type of thing you're targeting. I've got a whole data team that actually works on saying, okay, if we're targeting areas or people, what does that look like? And in terms of like the six nearest addresses, that's some APIs that we will use to explore that. And Info Group has a bunch of this good data too.
2: I just assume that that was brute force, where you had a researcher looking at Google Maps, saying, "Okay, here's one address. I'm going to go look at the, you know, two on each side and across the street."
1: We almost had to do this. And we're actually exploring right now if those six nearest addresses we can use. It's an info group API to just key in on the addresses on your street. So while the address behind you may be, from a distance perspective, closer than two addresses to your right, you may not know that neighbor as well as the neighbor that's like physically on your street. So these are the types of small tweaks that we think about when it's like, how can we make this one postcard more effective? And it's probably by sending to a neighbor you know than a neighbor you don't know.
2: Super geeky, super technical, super creative. I love it. I think it's an incredible use of a way of marketing that we don't necessarily think about as a modern marketing channel. And direct mail is incredibly powerful when you're trying to reach people when they're at home. And, you know, like I said, my last startup, you mentioned it was Rinse. It was one of the things that we tried to do is get to people where they are having pain Jordan, if you have a couple minutes, I want to continue this conversation and pick your brain about how we can figure out how to target people that are having pain related to the MarTech industry. Can we stick around for one more episode? Yeah, you've convinced me. (laughs) Great. Okay. Jordan, excited to continue the conversation with you. Thank you for extending the interview. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech podcast. Thanks to Jordan Crawford, founder of Scout, for joining us. In the last part of our conversation, Jordan and I are going to talk about how he advises us on how we can reach and create more value for the MarTech community. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jordan, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is inventitorfixit, I-N-V-E-N-T-I-T-O-R-F-I-X-I-T. Or Or you could visit his company's website, which is sendwithscout, S-E-N-D-W-I-T-H-S-C-O-U-T.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our newsletter, send us your topic suggestions. We'll even answer your marketing questions live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can contact me directly. My handle is Ben J. -J B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed. In addition to the end of our conversation with Jordan Crawford, founder at Scout, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy.